everyone. Episode five of Beers, Business, and Balls. Jake Zimmer, Will Tondo coming at you for Monday, May 11th. We are moving in the right direction. We've got a lot of good news. Uh, slowly but surely over the past couple of weeks, stay-at-home orders lifting, people getting back to work. But then it fucking snows in New England. That, that's just how it goes. So, you know, I'm glad things are moving the right way. Uh, th- there's a lot worse that could be happening to us, though, Will, which is good. Yeah, I mean, we're recording on Sunday. It was a beautiful Mother's Day. The weather was nice, even though it snowed the day before, which was just wild, like Jake said. Filled with, you know, good family, good time, good food, a lot of booze. You know, transitioning from mimosas to craft beer now at 9 p.m. is upsetting the stomach a little bit, but we're having fun. And and just like Jake said, I mean, we're moving in the right direction. I believe they said over 40 states will be open by this week <laughs> funny enough not new york not connecticut <laughs> um but you know our home state of rhode island is technically open for business by the book of course it's with a lot of restrictions i mean uh, of course it's neither of our states but this is a very good sign uh that the economy is going to slowly start to reopen in new england yeah let's hope i mean it's sad seeing a lot of news of just like local businesses struggling and stuff but I think we can get past this and hopefully we'll be able to fight it off in the fall. Let's dive right into it. Uh, No guests this week. You're blessed with our presence uh, of just the two of us. We've got some great stuff in the pipeline. Again, hit us up on social uh, Twitter. It's the.bbb.podcast and on Instagram, just replace the dots with underscores. I think I got that right. Um, You flipped it. Huh? You flipped it. Wait. Yeah, I did flip it. <laughs> Twitter is the underscores and Instagram's the podcast. Or the, uh, the yeah, Instagram is the, the dots, I should say. Wow. That's what happens after a long week. It's 920 on a Sunday we're recording this. You don't even have your mind straight. So disregard what I just <laughs> said, please. <laughs> um, but bright side is we've got some interesting uh, craft selections in the beer segment. So why don't we hop right into it? But we're going to cheers. Obviously, happy Mother's Day to all. We're thankful for our moms, and I hope you all enjoyed a nice mother day, Mother's Day on Sunday. What I'm drinking is one of my favorites that I actually found in a liquor store up here picking up champagne, and it's Lawson's Finest Sip of Sunshine IPA. I mean, this just keep cold and enjoy fresh. It's just it's one of my favorite beers. 8%. It's juicy. It's got a lot of flavor. It just reminds me of the summertime where we can relax by the beach. Uh, maybe have a soiree with some friends and <laughs> eat some good food. So I'm giving this my shameless 4.5 just because it's my favorite beer. We have, for those of you that have not been to our apartment in Providence, which is probably most of you listening here, <laughs> we have a a really cool mural of the sip of sunshine can. Um, it was picked up, I think, sometime in July at Waterfire in Providence uh, by one of the vendors that was out there. Incredible. Like, to the T, the can is an awesome look. It's bright yellow. It's got a, a big sun on there, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, but phenomenal. That's like, one of the, that's, like, one of my favorite pieces of art that we have in the apartment or anything that hangs on the wall. I mean, that is – it's just, again, one of our favorite beers, so I was happy that I got to find it because I usually don't have it up here, but this – wholesale distributor had it so 
I picked him up over there. Lawson's finest, really quick. It's it just phenomenal place. They're up in Waitsfield, Vermont, way up there. Uh, that that's on a bucket list, and that should be for any craft drinker for sure. Um, let's switch over back to Connecticut now. Um, going back to two roads, um, Mike Braddock. This review will be a little bit better for you. You'll like this a lot better than my uh, my not so great review uh, that I had a couple of weeks ago with Cruise Control. It's Seltzer Sunday. It is Seltzer Sunday. H2 Roads, they're calling this. It's basically water that's carbonated with a little alcohol. Um, cranberry Lime Seltzer from Two Roads, they they went on an endeavor to start seltzering and making sours and experimental beers about a year ago. Uh, they do it on draft at their location. I think they just recently started canning it. I don't know. Um their whole thing is that when you pour it, it shouldn't be clear. It should have the, their whole marketing tactic is real fruit has color. So that's a big at to all these, uh, you know, white claw, truly all that good stuff, which is clear. I actually don't even know what truly looks like. Cause I just drank it out of the can, but I think it's clear. Um, it, when you pour this out, it's like pink, which is really cool. It's made from real fruit, which is good. That being said, I thought it lacked a lot of flavor for uh, for actually being made from real fruit. Regardless, I think it was good. Nice collision of flavors. <clears throat> Signing up for 375. Which I think is fair, and that just sparked me to a memory from a few years ago before the seltzer game was really big. And Jake and I are both part of an organization called CEO at Bryant. Oh, and yeah. our sophomore year, I believe, we had someone come into the – two people come into the meetings – and speak about their endeavors. They were two young guys and they created a company called Briggs Hard Seltzer. And they brought in a sample for us. And it was the same thing Jake just said. He poured it out and it was that juice favorite, that juice color, that juice flavor. And I thought it was a great product. I really did. And I was sad to see them not be able to keep up with just like the beverage industry it's a tough industry to get into especially on that large scale but i thought they had a great product and then a few years down the road it's white claw it's truly it's bud light seltzer it's catalina lime mixer it's all of these other seltzers from those big companies but it lacks that color it lacks that flavor it's just you know a vodka soda pretty much yeah it's weird and and i remember the guys from briggs coming in Taste of their product, and honestly, now that I think about it, it kind of tastes like the uh, the Two Roads one that I'm drinking now. Um, you know, pretty pretty flavorful, but it, it just it, it's weird combo, pretty much. And you uh, and another kind of separate thing here. Um, a lot of people were saying about Briggs and about these small seltzer companies that, oh, you know, I, I don't think people are ready for seltzer yet. I think there's nothing wrong with. Um, you know, most people drinking beer in college, they're not going to stop drinking beer. That's going to be it. But look what happened. I mean, you have so many players, White Claw, Truly, High Newton, Bond and Viv, um, you know, a anything that is, it, those are just four, for example. There's so many more that are coming out of nowhere, the regional seltzers, all that stuff. I mean, that that is something that I, I definitely want to look into more. And I think we should start featuring more seltzers because um, that, that's definitely a big part of this liquor business now. Like when we're going out, you know, I'm speaking for myself here, but I'm not necessarily going to pick up a six pack of beer. I'm going to get seltzer. Yeah. A little bit healthier. I think people are still um, 
you know, on the, uh, the jury's still out basically about what health benefits they have. I mean, can they save you fat? Who know, who the hell knows, honestly, but, um, but yeah, seltzer is really cool. And I think, um, I, I think we're going to see a lot more, uh, of those niche seltzers coming out. So looking forward to trying them all. Yeah, absolutely. So to transition into our business section, we have a lot of stuff to cover today. Uh, the first one that I want to bring up is J Crew files for bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. It's the first major retailer to do so because of the COVID nineteen. Shame to see that. Uh, definitely one of my favorite clothing apparel brands. So I hope the best for them and they get to overcome this. But it's shocking to see a big company like that file for bankruptcy. And obviously, a lot of it they still have the capital and everything, and stores will still be open when things come back and everything. But it's crazy to see. So I don't know what other businesses are going to follow that route, whether it's retailers or not. But it is it's mind boggling. This was a tough one because J. Crew is it, they were in a weird spot before this whole thing. Um, and I think honestly that the pandemic just accelerated it really quickly. But they had years of debt. They had um, lots of struggles about getting people actually into the physical locations and shopping and back in the debate of, Oh, should brick and mortar stores even exist anymore? J crew was a prime example of that because they weren't getting a lot of traffic in store. It was mainly online. And, and what are they going to do? They hired a bunch of um, real estate consultants and things like that and investment consultants to figure out um, what the best way to, uh, to move forward would be. And unfortunately it, I think, well, maybe it actually is fortunately, to be honest with you, because rather than elongate this whole process of, you know, companies with similar fates, um, maybe they sped it up and hopefully you'll get a few more benefits from it. So there could be a silver lining, but this is another weird situation because there's no precedent. So only time's going to tell. And you bring up a good point about the brick and mortar situation. And that's obviously been a long conversation over the past few years. And I might be the outlier, but with clothes especially, I mean, I online shop a lot and I'll buy clothes online if I know the company and I have, whether it's a pair of pants or a shirt or shoes, like, and I know how they feel and the size I want, I'll order it online. But even that, I'm still reluctant. And it, it is nice when you have those uh, extensions on your computer, like Honey or Groupon or whatever it might be to get those discounts off. But I still prefer as a consumer to go into the store, feel it, try it on, look myself in the mirror and be like, okay, this looks good or not. And again, a lot of places are being able, if you buy it online, you can return it within 30 days, but that just becomes more of a hassle too. You have to go back out and ship it out. So I'd rather just go to the store, buy what I need, try it on and be like, I like it. I'm keeping it. Let's go home. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's just not enough people, uh, that weren't enough that, that weren't businesses staying open pretty much. Um, you know, I, am personally one of those people too. I'll go out and, you know, I'm I'm pretty hesitant to buy anything unless I know it's going to fit me. Um, and if it doesn't, I mean, if I bought it on Amazon, obviously you can just go drop it off at a Kohl's, which is awesome. We'll have to talk about that another time, but you drop it off at a Kohl's, they package it up, they send it all back. So, or Whole Foods. Literally. (laughs) I can't believe they're doing this at Whole Foods too now, Yeah, but I, I mean, it's, it's weird because regardless, you're, you were going to see retailers come back in a different way anyway. And 
now that we have a bankrupt one and now that one is basically in the hands of the banks, how is that return going to be impacted down the road? You know, are the banks going to hold out and say, you're not, we're not giving you any money unless you come back X, Y, Z way, you know, unless that, you know, you limit capacity to 25%, you only carry a certain amount of stock in your store. And, you know, you have to have masks between these times of the day. You have to have people X, Y, Z amount apart. Who knows? So maybe um, this could be really good for J. Crew, or it could be really bad, but nobody's going to know it for months. Yeah. And going on top of that, another company that was in- impacted by uh, coronavirus, we have Uber. They cut more than 4,000 uh, corporate jobs. The CEO, Dara, waves his salary. And obviously, Uber drivers all around aren't necessarily driving unless they're doing Uber Eats. And even that's still a limit. So another situation where the company's taken a big big hit with this coronavirus. So we hope that they can bounce back. And they will once things return to some kind of normalcy. But more precautions will definitely be put into place. Yeah, you look at the the three, we'll call them the the highest tech or you know most disruptive technologies out there, and it's Uber, Lyft, Airbnb. They they all had dog shit weeks. Um, yeah, I'm looking at some stats here. Uh, Uber's layoffs weren't even the highest of the three of them um, in terms of the percentage of their staff. Uber's was actually only 14. percent I'm saying only, I mean, if you told me that I was going to be saying that in January, I'd be like, holy shit, 14% of their staff, what what happened? But now that's almost a blessing um, because Lyft, 17% and Airbnb, poor people over there, 25%. Um, I mean, it sucks, but right now all these new technologies and these uh, these really high growth technologies are in just cost saving mode. because a lot of these people, relatively speaking, were, uh, and I'm making a blanket statement here, but they were, they haven't really figured out how to make sustainable and long-lasting, you know, wealth maximization pretty much. So right now it's about what can we do to, to cut the most costs? And you have to let some really talented people go. Uh, you know, for Airbnb, it was a lot of their engineers and a lot of their designers. And I'd be shocked if it weren't the same thing in Uber and Lyft. Um, another thing you have to consider there is does that widen or close the gap between Uber and Lyft and their competitors um, in terms of how well they're staying together and, you know, how well they're competing against each other. But I'm going to sound like a broken record here. Again, no one's going to know until people get their ass on the streets again and start taking cars and start going to new cities and, popping into hotels but but nobody knows nobody knows yeah on the flip side though we do have a hiring instead of a a layoff and a firing facebook facebook's company libra adds new ceo um he was originally from hsbc he was a legal chief Stuart levy and he will help reboot their cryptocurrency project which pretty much kind of cements as Libra as a legitimate crypto, you know, that Bitcoin, those other things that you can mine and trade on the market and stuff. So that'll be interesting to keep in our back pockets. I'm not big into investing in cryptocurrency. We've had friends that did very well. Um, Shout out Justin Estrella. Yeah, AJ Bender. (laughs) It was just one of those things that we kind of just missed the wave on that. Um, But it'll be interesting to see, especially if, which is crazy to say now, how cash, you know, physical cash might be 
a thing in the past after <laughs> coronavirus. Obviously, you still have credit and debit and everything, but if more forms of currency start being created, just because no one wants to touch physical cash, it's it's going to be a wild sight to see. Yeah, that's an area you hit the nail on the head. That's an area where people um, should be getting hired right now. Um, Cause you have to think Libra would have been that whole project would have been on hold if um, you know, if they didn't make a good investment in a leader and someone who can spearhead the movement, then who's to say that wouldn't have been canceled for now. And, you know, put on hold till 2021, 2022, this guy's got good credentials. Uh, We'll have to see, what exactly he can make of Libra. And uh, I'd be a little concerned about not necessarily the adoption uh, because I know consumers would eat this shit up as they have done uh, in Europe and the Czech Republic and things like that. People are paying with Bitcoin before this at bars and coffee shops and, and all that stuff. But I'm a little concerned of mom and pop stores and things like that. And even chains and restaurants and, all of these things, I would be concerned at a company's investment into Libra and uh, providing new ways to pay, pretty much. I, I'm, that's definitely a cause for concern for anyone. We'll definitely have to check that out. On another piece of news, we have Elon Musk has come up a few times in the news this week, the first being his newborn son which is a congratulations to him but the name is obviously a little funny we have (laughs) x-a-e-a-12 which for those of you who did not listen to joe rogan experience it is x as an x the a-e is ash and the a-12 is part of the archangel plane yeah so the full name is x ash archangel which what the fuck? What is this guy doing? We all knew he was a little bit out there mentally, but what the fuck are you doing? What are they going to call him? I, I love all these memes on Twitter, first of all. It's like X-Ash Archangel and then just like computers rebooting and things like that. It's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. The kid will definitely have an interesting childhood, especially <laughs> because I believe I read this in the news correctly. Elon Musk bought a school and personal teachers for like X Ash, whatever you want to call him, and him and his like other rich friends. <laughs> so, I mean, he'll except for life either way. But the real reason Elon Musk was in the news is because he is going to sue California over this lockdown and obviously the implications that took place with Tesla headquarters and the manufacturing but he's considering moving the headquarters elsewhere. Again, all of it is just preliminary now. It'll be interesting to see, but things are getting heated over there in California. This guy is so in left field. I mean, we all know that there's just something not right with him when, to an extent, every major leader is like this and anyone that is just willing and open to speak about aliens and Martians and uh, inhabiting another planet is there, there's just not something right with them. I'll put it that way. Um, but I mean, you know, this whole lockdown stuff about suing the state of California, I don't even know what his stance is on this. I mean, it's, if it's 
we don't want, um, or if it's the state's not opening quick enough, we need it to open sooner. Um, then that's just, that's silly, man. Just keep grinding at what you're doing. I understand that he thrives on freedom and just the ability to do whatever the fuck he wants, but come on, you're going to move the Tesla headquarters. I, he, you know what the crazy part about this, if he does, he's probably going to get huge tax breaks somewhere else. You can go oh, to Nevada, yeah. Arizona, New Mexico, where there's nothing set up shop there and they'd pay him to go there and they'd be like, yeah, sure. Utah, here's, yeah. Washington, Wyoming, something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, here's, here's 10 years income tax free or sorry, 10 years. Just, yeah, I, I guess anything. If they give a program to him similar to what they were doing in New York, or, you know, the, the whole 10 years, uh, I think they might've upped it to 15 and then reduced it at one point, but anywhere that wants business is going to be happy to snatch him up. I don't think it happens though. Yeah. We'll have to see. And closing off before we get into the stock market, uh, Carnival Cruise Lines is on the come up because they made a statement out to consumers saying that they're going to be open in August. They're going to have cruise, cruise lines and cruise ships ready to go. And they're almost fully sold out. So that kind of just brings into what's going to happen with airlines and cruise lines in you know the coming weeks and coming months there's that misconception right now that people are like oh because it's a corona like maybe travel won't happen i kind of think the opposite is the fact that people just want to get out of the hell get the hell out of the house that virus or not if they remain healthy this entire time they're going to be able to travel so their stock is on the come up same with other cruise lines too i mean Again, not like it was in the previous, and they're not receiving any government funding. But if they're going to book cruises in August, which right now seems far away, but it's only a couple months, it'll be interesting to see what kind of what kind of impact that does to the company and to consumers as well. So I'm excited to look into that. I agree. There's a lot of questions in the tourism industry right now. To take it a little bit of a different direction than what you just mentioned, Tondo, I think... Um, there's a lot of people, you're right. I, I will acknowledge that you're exactly right. A ton of people want to get out of the house and just go like they've been stuck behind their desks for so long. Um, I think there still is a very, uh, addressable amount of people that want to leave their house, but they are too weary to travel at this point. I think you're going to see that slowly recover to the, the state that you just mentioned. Um, Probably in about a year. I, th I think things should be mostly recovered Fair. in a year, provided that there's no second wave or anything like that or any major uh, path from what's been currently pitched. But I think, you know, August seems, as, as of right now, realistic. It, it seems that people who want to go on a cruise in August are going to have the option. And that's great. That is great for all these stocks, uh, especially airlines, tourism. Uh, we'll talk about Penn National Gaming in a sec, too, at the casinos. But... Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that we'll, we'll have some form of travel, which is good, uh, by August, September, hopefully. Yeah. And transitioning how you mentioned casinos, Penn National Gaming, obviously the company that purchased uh, stake in Barstool, they came up in the news because they missed earnings by nearly 80%. And we were having a conversation before the podcast, how that kind of takes place with a lot of big name companies and higher stake companies as well. But the stock nearly rose to $20 a share after being in the low 
teens earlier this week. And that's pretty much just like forward guidance. It's purely dependent on casinos opening as well as they're going to launch an online betting platform with the hopes of online gambling for sports to be fully legal in the States. Maybe by the end of the year, maybe by next, we'll have to see. But they probably dumped some equity for cash to, you know, restructure any debt. But it's also just the fact that Stoolies were pumping in the money. I mean, I, I purchased a good chunk of my portfolio as Penn National Gaming just because at one point it was $4 a share. Right. It's, it's twofold. You, you hit the nail on the head. It's um, You and I were both on the earnings call. Uh, I think that was Thursday. My days are all jumbled into one big day now at this point, but or maybe a week, you know, maybe just week by week. It's like this week or last week. We're on the earnings call and we hear the CEO, Jay Snowden, and the rest of the board talking about what the future looks like. And they mentioned, you know, we're, we didn't hit our earnings targets. That's expected, obviously, because they have no one coming into their property. But at the same time, um, just barrages of good news. Um, someone from Bank of America asked about if there was a way to metric the impact of the Barstool Sports acquisition at this point. And... Right now, it's all internal, Jay Snowden was mentioning, but he started to rattle off some stats about Barstool's social media presence just absolutely skyrocketing through the roof. Um, they have transformed themselves over the years, as, as many of us know, into one of the most popular social media brands. Forget social media, too. It, it's a hmm. pop culture brand. We talked about hubs or with hubs about this last week. Pop culture sports, whatever. I mean, they, they have a lot of good stuff going on for them. So um, that's certainly the big point of why that stock was pumping up. And then number two, they're on target with most of their big projects. That sports betting platform, like you said, that's on target. They have not been delayed at all. And, and if anything, they've actually made up a little ground. So this is all very good news. I think the investor confidence is, is pretty high on this stock right now. So um Closed out around the $18, $19 mark on Friday. I, I haven't checked after hours on what they are. By the time this podcast is published, they'll be trading on Monday morning. So it, it's going to be cool. I, I would like to see it recover. I think uh, we've we both made some money on this stock, which is good. You bought it at cheaper than I did. But, um, you know, I bought it at 14 to give you an idea. If it goes up to 28 30 bucks, that's already a good investment. Exactly. And speaking on investments, there was a lot of stocks that this week that took huge rises just to rattle off a few we have protagonist therapeutics ptgx they had a 92 percent raise from last week to this week they're um, an r&d for novel constrained peptide based drug for candidates that need this drug they're now trading at uh, 14.84 vitamin cottage natural grocers ngvc had a 42% rise. They were retail of natural and organic groceries and dietary supplements. They're trading at 1547. American Axle Manufacturing, AXL, up 36%. Uh, they're trading at $5.80. They're pretty much manufacturing, engineering, design, and any validations for driveline systems, so axles, brakes, etc. We have Peabody Energy trading with at $3.70. BTU is the ticker, and they rose 35%. So they're coal mining. PRA Group, PRAA, up 30%, trading at $34. Uh, they 
purchase a collection and management of portfolios of defaulted customers. So pretty much anyone uh, buying properties essentially. And the last one is Encore Capital Group up 29% ECPG. They engage in provisions of debt management and recovery solutions and they're trading at $31. So those are all stocks you could you should check out. Uh, pretty affordable too, and they had good Q1 or, Q1 earnings and they're on a come up. So definitely look them out. But the stock of the week that I want to mention, which was up 260% from last week to this week, is MGNX Macrogenics. So they are the lead drug candidate in Mar Margit Tuxibin an optimized formulation of the top-selling breast cancer drug, Perceptin. Uh, so I took this piece of news early in the week. After the market closed on Tuesday, the biotech company management sentence said it remains on track to report final overall survival data of the phase three SOFIA study. Essentially just a lot of science news, but pretty much saying that this drug will be acceptable for, for the uh, FDA. And that decision comes at the end of the year. So obviously with coronavirus going on, that's taken a lot of focus in the healthcare world. But the sad reality is there's still a lot of things going on, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, et cetera. And this company is just doing a really great thing with this drug to help solve breast cancer. And Jake and I are big components of being the generation to end cancer. So definitely check them out. They opened up at nine, now they're in the 20s. I purchased stock at around 14, I believe it was. So both of them are still in the come up. Yeah, they, they seem like a, uh, a a really good stock, which is why we chose them as stock of the week, obviously. But I think um, aside from the mission and all that, you know, which obviously we buy into uh, pretty greatly, um, reading on some sources and basically what they had to come out with was it, it was basically like a sneak peek at some of their data that they figured out with the clinical trials and all those things um they're going to present those at one of the annual cancer conferences soon uh the abstracts of the papers for those research um projects are due i think it's next week so um really good stuff i think if they get confirmed later uh you know when this conference is and when the abstracts are submitted expect that to go up even more because then you know we are not relying on just sneak peeks of the company's data but it's actually a hard research submittal so that's all we have on the business segment obviously a lot of great stuff let us know on our socials what you're investing in if you have any good hot tips on stocks again just be safe with your investing we are not licensed brokers we are not financial advisors <laughs> we are far from it we're just playing around with some money and hoping to make a profit i will say before we dive into our next segment um nick line i believe it was brought us pega systems either last week or the week before um wanted to check up on that really quickly and it's actually uh, paying off really nicely um even just in the last five days they opened up uh, on Monday, May 4th at 79.39. They're now trading at 90 after hours uh, as we record this podcast. So um, if you put, you know, five shares on it, congratulations, you've made $50. And uh, that, that's one of those that we uh, will we'll be keeping our eyes on over the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Now into the ball segment. A lot of great stuff 
in the sports world, kind of just to kick it off, sports are coming back. Sports are coming back and it might be sooner than we think. Just to start off, we have the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization. ESPN made an agreement to broadcast six games a week. Unfortunately, they're at 2, 3, 4 a.m. in the morning. That isn't stopping anybody. You know, if you're a restless sleeper, if you just want to watch some sports, like people are getting up in the morning earlier than they have to to watch Korean baseball. <laughs> I mean, there's no fans, but Korean baseball. Yeah, it's <laughs> – who would have thought this comes to this, right? We're all just picking teams. I know the Yankee fans are mostly identifying with the, the fucking NC Dinos who are now – I don't even know. I think they lost last night. I can't keep... Yeah. So, I mean, hey, <laughs> it is what it is, man. But um, it, it's still Korean baseball. It, it's nothing more to me right now than a glorified talk show, which kind of sucks. But it, it's sports. I mean, it's something. Like, we had Hubs on last week, and he made a really good point that put a lot into perspective. It was, if you're saying things like this isn't baseball, like, I don't really want to watch it until the Yankees are back out or whatever it's like go take a hike man go take a hike that's it's baseball it's something it's (laughs) I enjoy watching it you know at (laughs) 1 2 a.m when I can't sleep fine throw Mm -hmm. it on it's baseball catch the highlights in the morning on sports center I don't know what to tell you and I mean they're having fun with it too they have some just funny marketing tactics the NC Dinos mascot is a huge dinosaur who will be in the cover of this week's episode, and his name is Swole Daddy. <laughs> I mean, you can't fuck around with that. But just looking at the teams, I mean, they have some big sponsorships too, and that's one thing that you know is different compared to American sports. It's like the teams are actually sponsoring it, similar to soccer. So we have the Samsung Lions, the LG, the LG Twins, the Kia Tigers, just to name a few. The Hyundai Unicorns. <laughs> Hyundai Unicorns. Yeah, this is so weird. It's kind of an exposure to what's been going on in Asia for quite some time. And it's those companies own everything down there. So it's really cool. I mean, I, I think what what's the most fascinating part of all of this is that there are some MLB players down there. There's some former MLB players that are uh, trying to salvage their careers in Korea, which I think is pretty funny. Uh, when you have guys like Tyler Saladino from the, the White Sox that are playing for, I think he is on the shit I forgot what team he's on already it might be the dinos but it's pretty cool to see some of these guys go out there and and play a little baseball I mean to add to your point this is in the Korean baseball league but Adam Jones is playing in Japan wait what yeah Adam Jones is playing in Japan holy shit a couple days ago when I was watching one of the games he hopped on the broadcast and he was it was their time and he's with his family in Japan, and I believe he was on the Giants last year. Holy shit. So he, he signed that contract with the Diamondbacks last year. Diamondbacks, that's what it was. Yeah, he was a, obviously the career Oriole pretty much. He started off on the Mariners, and I, I just looked this up. He's playing for the Oryx Buffaloes. That's yeah. not, I learned something new today. That's so wild. You might, you know, and obviously he's on the latter stage of his career, but to see a big name like that, head overseas to play baseball I mean it's not the first time it won't be the last but you're gonna see guys that just want to play ball and 
I know the MLB will definitely be watching Korean baseball to see how things are taking place because as of now, baseball is set to be back July 1st, which we briefly mentioned last week. But it's looking like players are getting the call saying, let's get ready. You know, we're going to have a abbreviated spring training in June and opening day is July 1st. And I saw some of the implications that they set out. It's probably be anywhere from like an 80-game season. It's looking like those divisions that are in geographic accordance, so the NL and the AL East play together and et cetera. It's a couple teams moving around. And probably an expanded playoff, uh, playoff platform as well as maybe a universal DH too. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything except the expanded playoff. Um, I, I I get the inclination to start experimenting with stuff. Uh, it's a new season. No one knows what the implications are going to be in the game uh, and sports at large. So <clears throat> you have to think Manfred being the lawyer he is and trying to dip his dirty fucking filthy hands into everything is like, oh, cool, let's – this is a perfect time. Everyone was so worried that our revenue was going to tank and whatnot. And here we are, we need to make money somehow. So let's just experiment. I get it, but, but I need him to keep his paws off this shit. I need him to keep his paws off my damn game. He can, here's what I think he can do. He can take the divisions and align them however he wants. He can take whatever and align them however he wants, but <laughs> he cannot touch the playoffs he can't touch um you know he, I, I don't know i i don't know i just hate him i hate Marlon manfred i hate him so much i think the aspect of the playoff is just to add more games just so people can watch more baseball at the end of the day because if it's only an 80 game season compared to 160 you're gonna want to have i mean again i agree with you that if it's not broken don't fix it and i think it's a fair playoff format you know you have the you have the wild card and you have your division leaders but if it's on the aspect of like okay you know we're making adjustments just for this season it's a fluke season and to have more baseball being played i don't hate it i don't love it i'm indifferent but that kind of goes to the point before we head into more sports coming back that some Jamoke from the Washington Post wrote an article saying, like, the pandemic has reminded us we don't need sports in our life. We need less. That's just a fucking lie because, one, everyone's talking about sports more than ever. You look at all the buzzwords on Twitter and Google search. It's all sports. It's coronavirus and it's sports. Yeah, and the weirdest thing about this, this guy, Norman Chad, and I don't want to glorify him any more than he's been – talked about in social media because everyone's like oh it's clickbait don't do it he's trying to get you on board to a shitty point i did a little research on who norman chad is he has been at this sports writing game for a very long time he's been doing this for years he worked on espn he, he was on pti a lot part of the interruption on espn um and he he's actually <laughs> This is coming from a guy that was in the World Series of Poker, too, which is great. Like, he was a competitor. So um, I finally caved and read his article. He had decent points in there. Um, I, I still think the overall messaging of the article was just wrong. Um, it was still about, you know, hey, we've gotten out of control with these meaningless sports. Let's cut back a little bit. Um, I, I, I don't think he's right. I don't think he's right at all. I think it's more um, – <sighs> 
trying to find the, the words to explain my thought process on this, but basically he has a wrong point. Uh, there are loyal fans that are missing every single one of their sports right now, even fucking poker, man. You know, people aren't playing poker in the World Series of Poker um, on ESPN anymore. So I don't know. There are things that I, I understand where he's coming from in that article, but at large, I, I think he's missing the point. Definitely agree. And to close out this point, I mean, again, we're hoping sports come back sooner than later, but we have some great news coming up. Obviously, we just talked about baseball, but UFC 249 was this Saturday. So it looks like a great uh, come up for sports. I mean, I'm not a big into following fighting. I, I think it's interesting. I think they're very competitive athletes. I think it takes a lot of training and preparation, and it's just a whole nother bar all game but yeah. they had a fight uh it was two exciting fighters justin gaichi gaichi that's that's you're you're about 50 percent there yeah. again <laughs> i don't follow it but i respect it and tony ferguson um it was a five round fight for the main event in jacksonville it lasted three minutes and 39 seconds in the fifth round until a tko finish but again that is as close contact as you get in sports. Yeah. So I mean, them, to see them, Dana White, I mean, credit to him. He has always been about this since day one of coronavirus, being like, we still want to have this. We will still want to have this. And I believe a fighter actually had to back out because him and two of his um, uh, ring, ring people tested for coronavirus like two days before the event. I'm not surprised. Yeah, not Not surprised at all. Yeah, they took it very seriously, but it had a huge viewing, which is awesome. And we're excited to see that because, again, no matter the sport, all the commissioners around the league are trying to take pieces of advice and take lessons from each of these sports leagues. So to see that is great. Another big piece of news is German soccer, the Bundesliga, is going to be returning May 16th, which is, again – the next step in the right direction, especially in Europe, not even the U S I mean, Europe got hit just as bad and there's, you know, they have the open borders. Like we have open borders with States. So that'll be interesting. Right. And then the next is NFL releasing schedules, just showing that there's promise in the fall. Yeah. These are all really good things. And I mean, to go back to the UFC for a sec, um, UFC 249 was uh, objectively it was a great fight i mean that would have been a uh a sellout in you know in uh I, th- I don't think it was in vegas i think it was in jacksonville this time but um would have been a sellout on site would have done very well pay-per-view um still think it did pretty well um but espn hasn't released the metrics yet um i think they had five losses between the two of them justin gaethje two of them uh it was a very, very good fight that Gaethje dominated the whole time. And finally Ferguson just, uh, he Ferguson only got maybe two or three really good punches in. Um, the ref called the fight off in the fifth round. He didn't, you know, give up or anything or take a big blow, but Ferguson was just looking pretty, uh, pretty worn down. So, I mean, objectively would have been a great fight. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to get the, uh, the good reviews that it, it deserves. So hopefully uh, there's more of it and hopefully more people start, uh, you know, watching that kind of stuff, weighing in on social, all that stuff. And then 
as far as soccer goes, I mean, get those guys back on the field. <laughs> so long as there's a, a very declining rate, um, get them back on the field. I need to see something. That's all we're asking for is just something. And in the sports world, we heard and saw something this week, which is on the more lighter side, but all pro safety Earl Thomas landed in the news. And I mean, PR 101, the guy dropped on Instagram, like, yo, some shit's about to drop, you know, don't believe it till the (laughs) truth comes out, which again, you have athletes and it's 2020 and there's so many things that are going on. You know, everyone just thinks the worst about that person. Well, Earl Thomas got himself into a little fiasco where he got into an argument with his wife and his brother picked him up and was just going to like go cool off. And they end up at an Airbnb, which is kind of funny because we were just talking about that in the business segment, how Airbnb is hurting. I guess Airbnb is not hurting in, I guess this was somewhere in Maryland. He's, he's in the Ravens. I, I don't know. But they had an Airbnb, him and his brother. And they, his wife found the location somehow. I believe she logged into his Snapchat or something. And she pulled up with her posse with a loaded gun and found Earl Thomas and his brother in bed with some women having an orgy. How dumb. How? That's not even the the funny part. Is oh yeah, there's a lot worse. He called him out. I mean, obviously, cheating husband in bed with his brother. So she pointed a gun at his head. It was was loaded. She took the magazine out, but there was still one in the chamber. And she was the one that got arrested. She got arrested. Like I mean, you can't. TMZ dropped the news, and everyone's like, "Oh damn, Earl Thomas! Like he really could have." He could have died. He could have like messed up. It's like he was the one caught cheating. It yeah, wasn't but at even... the same time. Like I, that's so dumb that he did that and put it. You know, it, this whole fiasco is just so. It, it's exactly that. It's a fiasco because he's doing some suspect shit. First of all, he's with his brother and two other women in a, a king size bed, and none of them have clothes on. You know, I will. Uh, I'll reserve my comments on that, but just take note. All a spade a spade. (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) But, I mean, his wife damn well is the one that has to get arrested because she's the one that rolls up and and pulls a gun on them. I mean, (laughs) like, you, it is not – I hope I don't get backlash for this. It's not illegal to cheat on your wife, but it certainly is illegal to pull a gun on someone because of it. And we're moral people. There's, you know – both are probably pretty up there in the wrong things to do. Um, but I mean, holy shit. Like, yeah. why Why are you pulling a gun on <laughs> an NFL player? <laughs> I get it. He's your husband, but that make, does that make it worse? That's a question. Crazy, crazy times. And going into another former NFL player and his marriage counseling, uh, not as violent, but Jay Cutler's wife – um, well, ex-wife, they got a divorce and she pretty much surprise. Yeah. She wanted to divorce Jay Cutler because he was lazy and, you know, he wasn't motivated or anything, but she wanted a $5 million mansion to stay in part of the settlement. Well, he said, fuck that and froze all of his accounts because I mean, you're going to divorce me and call me lazy. And then you want me to build you a mansion? No. 
And it's just like, I just think the whole situation's funny is because like the dude made all the money for the family. He got rocked being a quarterback for, you know, how many years? A long time. A long time. <laughs> it was a long time. He wasn't the best, but he made hundreds of millions. And the man just wants to sit on his couch in retirement. And it's during a pandemic. <sighs> so I I want to believe this about Jay Cutler, and I think there's a lot of truth to this because – I mean, I, he doesn't I, look like the most motivating guy. I get right, it. Right. But it's – his wife is – or his ex-wife now. Let's make that clear. Kristen Cavallari, she started an Instagram and put the hat or the, the at handle at if Jay had Instagram. And now it's, it's all viral. It was like way out. Um, but she it, way out, meaning you know, she started it not recently. It was like a couple of years ago, but if this doesn't show you, um, you know, what kind of person she is, like she, she's not been very close with Jay Cutler for a long time. Um, and then she posted a suspect kind of Mother's Day tribute. Uh, I believe that was today. And it said, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. These three little ones picked a good one. And she's quoted as saying, it's not him running it. It's me. It's what Jay would want if he had Instagram. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> There's a lot more to the story that we don't know. And, and that's so funny that, you know, Jay Cutler is lazy. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's so funny that that's the reason. Um I don't know. I'm, I'm, we should definitely follow this over the next couple of weeks and see how this plays out. Well, I'm pretty sure she has a reality TV show on E. Yeah. She's got something. I don't know who the hell she is. And uh, honestly, I, I don't really care, but this is hilarious. Yeah. So now I do care. I might go look uh, at this now. Free my man, Jay Cutler. That's just not right. It's sad, man. I don't know. Jay Cutler really doesn't have anything to show for himself either. I mean, or his accolades. I mean, they're, I'm pretty sure that he has some decent accolades. He probably went to a Pro Bowl or two. I'm I'm gonna find this right now because now I'm curious. Um, so he played for 12 seasons. Yeah, mostly with the Bears. Then I think he ended off. With, <laughs> he had a year on the Dolphins in 2017. Yeah. Don't forget that. But he got drafted by the Broncos. Uh, he was only a Pro Bowler in 2008. He was top 100 Bear players of all time. I mean and that's. What does that mean, though? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. His stats overall, 35,000 yards, right. a passer rating of 85%, a passing percentage of 62%, and his touchdown to interception was 227 to 160. It's not bad. I mean, it's better than some quarterbacks, and the Bears actually had some consistency with him for a while. The Broncos, uh, good quarterback to start off his career with them. Uh, he had his career high in completions when he was with the Broncos too. So things to note, he also threw the most passes that year too. So take that as you yeah. will. But I mean, <laughs> to call him lazy, that, that's hilarious. That, that is so yeah. hilarious. So going into more sports, Zion Williamson's agent just dropped today that he received money and gifts from Duke, Nike, and Adidas. And first off, like, no shit. I mean, <laughs> we're at the point where it's like – It's every, the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah. I mean, every big-name athlete has received it. Is it right? Is it wrong? You know, that's a debate on its own. But obviously, you know, the guy was 
a YouTube sensation dunking at like 14, 15, you know, people were covering his high school games like he was Bronny Jr. and LeBron James. He got recruited to Duke and was the one and done, but there was no, there was no shot he didn't receive something. As the resident, uh, as a self-proclaimed resident uh, college basketball insider um, of this podcast, I, I think I'm a little bit ashamed, not at him, but um, at two things. Number one, the way the media has covered these kinds of things, I think it's more, um, they're almost shaming these players, which you can't really do, in my opinion. Uh, the James Wiseman story came out. That was something that you and I had followed long before this podcast was even a thought. And that was another unfortunate one. Uh, the media made him out to to seem like he did something wrong. I mean, this is a guy that grew up in Tennessee, had no, no money, money, was trying to put – right, not a dime. He was busting his ass for his family and whatnot. You know, he was just going to try to get an education and hopefully put some food on his table at some point. And here comes Penny Hardaway, who is, mind you, just a booster at this point. He is a booster for a Memphis program. Um, and he is trying to say, you know, hey, come up to Memphis and move and play basketball with us and you're going to have a better life. What kid with no money would say, no, I don't want to do that. And then things happen down the road. This, the Wiseman scenario didn't even involve any exchange of money or anything. He's not really, no. well, it, it technically did. That's not proved, but it, it's not like Adidas and Nike and, and all these people are reaching out to him and saying, here, wear our shoes and we'll pay for, you know, your next 30 grand of expenses or whatever, you know, the deal with Zion was. It wasn't even about that. It was about here, here's a better life for you. And Zion's a little bit different, but I still think it's like, hey, you're a dunking sensation. Nike's going to give you money. Who wouldn't want to do that? He's 17 years old, and Nike's hitting him up and saying, yeah, we're gonna, you're never going to buy another shoe again in your life. <laughs> that, that It has to change, and I understand the legal ramifications and the equal opportunity and all that. That's something that the league will have to work out eventually, but uh, there needs to be something that changes. I'm I'm definitely ashamed of this whole situation, not because Zion's at fault, but because of the media and the league. And I agree. I mean, you and I both love college basketball, watching it, the news, the whole recruiting process, the coaches, everything. But we're starting to see that trend of high school players, five-star recruits, four-star recruits are saying, fuck it, I'm just going to go to the G League. And there's going to be a time, you don't know when and you don't know how, that that college basketball middleman isn't going to be alive anymore. Yeah, that's the fear. Well, not, uh, let me rephrase that. College basketball will still be alive, but college basketball in the aspect of the stepping stone to the NBA will right. not be. Oh, sure. It's, it, that's 100% correct. The – the fear is that what meeting will college basketball carry if people are going to go right to the G league and who knows? I mean, baseball figured out a way to make it work um, with there, there aren't too many people. Let me back up there. Baseball is an intriguing sport because there's two routes you can go. It's obviously straight to the league from high school or um, starting off uh, you know, high school ball and maybe a PG year and then college for a few years and then going. 
Um, but either way, you're all starting on that same playing field of rookie ball. You have to go and succeed in rookie ball if you want to move forward. Maybe is it somewhere eventually that if the NBA goes down this path, does the G League become rookie ball or something like that? Are they going to have to go and prove themselves in G League? Does it effectively replace summer league, but maybe for a full season? I don't know. But now the G League is really starting to be on the come up. I think a lot of people, as you and I both know, are wondering what the value is going to be and uh, how many people are going to start doing that. Um, I think it was member of the Ball family that's going to just go ahead and do that probably soon. And we'll have to see. Yeah, so then closing out on the Ball segment, sticking with college basketball, we have UConn basketball four-star recruit uh, Adama Sanoga. So he reclasses from 2021 to 2020, and he was originally at Seton Hall, but now he's with UConn. So go into detail with that, Jake. He's yeah, just it, dropped this last minute. That's exactly right. It's it, This is so bizarre, and I went on the primetime rundown um, with the Eastern Observer a couple of days ago to talk about this. This guy compliments two four-star recruits going to UConn and rounds out what's going to be a, a pretty stud recruiting class, pretty much. So UConn's going to be dangerous, but that's a secondary point. That, that's not even close to the main point of this whole thing. This guy is on the five-year high school plan. So he's you know going to get probably what will be his high school diploma um, in 2020, and then next year he was going to go get like a post-grad degree. All of a sudden, uh, he's talking with Kevin Willard, the Seton Hall head coach. Uh, it's a pretty close to a verbal commitment at this point. Everyone knows, you know, Sonogo's probably going to go Seton Hall. They're going to be good in a couple of years. Um, big power forward, can move really well. He can sort of shoot, I think, a uh, great paint presence. And then all of a sudden, a couple of days ago, he says, fuck it, I'm going to graduate in 2020. I'm going to get my high school diploma and I'm going to go play for UConn and I'm going to go to the NBA. The number one thing that he said was he wanted a fast track to the NBA. You look at Seton Hall's program, the best player they put in the NBA in the past 15 years was Samuel D'Alembert on the Sixers. I mean, he was a pretty consistent player in the NBA, but he sucked. He was not yeah. good. He was the, the second or third center you had off the bench. You look at UConn, they've got five guys in the NBA right now. They have Kemba, Jeremy Lamb, they had uh, Drummond. They have a, a long history of sending guys. Rudy Gay's in there right now, and that, that's just the, the beginning of a list that goes way down. Hashim Thabit, um, Shabazz Napier, uh, Ryan Bowright was in there for a hot second. Huh? Ray Allen. Yeah, Ray Allen. I mean, the, the best three-point scorer of all time went to UConn. Rip Hamilton, uh, Karan Butler, the list goes on. They know how to produce NBA players, and that's where this league is going to go soon. It, it, the college basketball is going to become who's going to put me in the NBA quickest. And that's a benchmark of what we're seeing. Right here, this commitment alone is, oh, shit, this is what players are thinking about. They're not thinking about, can I go win a national title? Which, who knows? UConn, <laughs> don't count them out. But this is a huge step forward in that mentality of can I get to the NBA quick and kind of rounds out that, you know, where do they go? Do they go to the – are they hoping to go to the G League? Are they hoping to be the starter on an NBA team the next year? We'll have to see. We'll definitely have to see. So, again, a lot of great sports stuff that we just covered – 
Uh, we're one step closer with more news every day. So let's hope that sports can come back to normalcy. But to close out, we have a couple cool points. So we're going to be dropping some merch soon that we're excited. So keep posted on the social media. We got some shirts. We got some koozies. So definitely let us know if you're interested and we'll let you know how to purchase. We're also going to be coming back to some of our roots. And that we've mentioned in the past that we're going to drop a website that's going to be coming live to you shortly. And we're going to be posting our writings too. We want to get back into the blog game and, you know, cover what we're speaking on to the podcast and make that into a written form too. So keep an eye out on that. And if Jake, if you wanted to add anything as well. Yeah, uh, this is all good stuff. I know we're going to try to put out um, some, some really good stuff on just, just things that we're seeing. Whether it's any of the three categories that we talk about on this show, beers, business balls, we're, we're just going to put it out. If you guys like what we're doing. Great. Tell us uh, if you disagree with us or you agree with us, let us know. We want to, we want to hear everybody's opinions. If you want us to share more of something, or if you hate both of our writing, great. We'll probably tell you to go take a hike, but, um, but give us some feedback. That's all we're asking for. Yes. And to close it out, as always, we end with a positivity corner. Uh, had a little hard time finding stuff, unfortunately, just because we were a lot of we were, the positive stuff that we were covering was in sports and was in business. So I took a little turn and I found stuff that happened this day in history. So we're talking May 10th, May 11th. And the first one was in 1775, American forces capture Fort Ticonderoga from the British. Obviously a big dub for the U.S. Not even the U.S. at the time, just the militia. Those uh, three percenters as that Patriots. <laughs> yeah, he knows all about that. So that was obviously a big win for us. In 1869, the Transcontinental Railroad was completed, so that pretty much unified the West to the East. Uh, the presidents of the Union Pacific and the Central Pacific Railroads met in Utah to drive in that ceremonial last spike into the rail that connects those railroads across the country. Again, pretty cool. I would love to see in the future a full, kind of like in Japan, bullet train system across the country. I think that would be very exciting. I know there was plans written for it, but nothing ever in in uh, creation so that would definitely be cool and then the last one in 1994 influential leader nelson mandela was sworn in as the first black president of south africa so a lot of great stuff and then jake close it out to that last point yeah this is something that hits home for both you and i and um for the rest of the community uh, that we're close with. Um, I, I'm referring, of course, to Bryant University's uh, incumbent president, Ron Makeley, who's stepping down after 24 years at the helm. He started as the president of the university um, back in 1996. And now he's hanging up the cleats. Um, this was not the way that he wanted to do it. Uh, but given your relationship with him and my relationship with him, Will, I, I thought I'd I'd kind of share this as a big part of the positivity corner too. Um, he, uh, President Makeley has long been an advocate of education um, and public service, I think are the two big things that his life have been based around. Um, he is a total scholar um, of life, leadership, business, uh, and really anything. And I think to sum up his career at Bryant, 
and in general as he retires. He did it in the most makely way possible, which was posting uh, my last lecture uh, lessons I have learned as the president of Bryant University. Um, I have not watched the full video because I, I can't make out the time to do it yet, but I saw a small clip um, of one of the points that he made, which I think just really describes how business leaders should behave and how he's behaved over his years, which was his seventh point in the video. And it was when the organization is comfortable with the success that you've already achieved, push everybody to do more. Um, and I think that that in and of itself is a way that he lives, uh, a way that I want to live my life. Um, and I, I think on behalf of everybody affiliated with Bryant and on Beers Business and Balls, uh, I will drink to, to Ron Makeley. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to that because President Makeley, he was such a huge role model to me at Bryant. Worked for him for almost four years in, in his office and was just always such a light on campus. And we're definitely going to try to get him on the podcast one day. I watched the his lecture twice. I watched it the first time through and I choked up and was getting teary-eyed at the end. And he even almost broke down. He's just an incredible man. You know, started from nothing, went to the Naval Academy, became a Naval officer, became a lawyer, became a congressman, and then became the president of Bryant and stuck through it through thick and thin. and really upsetting that we couldn't see him, you know, go out and pop him circumstances. I know the new president will probably allow him, you know, to get some kind of recognition in, you know, the late summer and fall. But yeah, Big Dog was and will always be a Bryant legend. And we cheers to his retirement, especially with his wife, Katie Makeley, who was another friendly face and great leader on campus too. So we wish them well, and we hope to get them on the podcast soon. One can only hope. Uh, so that's that. Episode five complete. Um, cool guests, episode six. We're not going to say anything, but we know who they are. We're going to be recording our interviews uh, this week. Um, one of yeah, them a great friend one. of the show. Yeah, great friend of the show, one of them. And then we've got another uh, real rock star for Positivity Corner. We're not going to say anything so that you'll listen to the entire thing. Um, but cool stuff. That, that's all we have for this week. Again, go follow us on social. I'm going to not screw up the handles this time. Instagram is the dot BBB dot podcast and Twitter replace the dots with underscores. That's Will. I'm Jake. So long folks. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.